0: and welcome to The Friendly Troll. I'm Isaac Rutenberg and I'm here to bring you a kind of a timely topic uh, today on The Friendly Troll. It's been a while since we've posted an episode and uh, in fact uh, there have been quite a number of activities, well let's see, uh, news items I guess you could say. Uh, Indeed the entire quarantine and global pandemic has occurred since our last episode. So uh so many things to talk about that they've been a bit overwhelming and uh, to be quite frank uh, uh we here at the friendly troll didn't even really know what to tackle first but um interestingly enough uh, as we've been pondering this the answer seemed to have seems to have come uh out of nowhere out of thin air out of the vast um space that we call the internet as this morning i received uh, an interesting question and or several questions and we're going to explore those today the uh, the general topic is ventilators well the specific topic is ventilators but the general questions will uh, apply to more than just ventilators and uh, let's get right into it So the questions that were sent to me, uh, I won't name the source, but uh, they're, they're really quite fascinating. I'll just sort of summarize, but they basically say, you know, we're, we're, we've got this news item, which I'll discuss in a, in a minute, uh, about someone creating a ventilator. And uh, we want to know the legal implications of, of the use of that ventilator and, and what happens to it after uh, in terms of intellectual property. So, so for some background, uh, a few days ago, or, or well, more than a, more than a few days ago, there was a news item in Kenya that said uh, a couple of, or more actually, sixteen or uh, students from Kenyatta University uh, had created within a week or so uh, a prototype of a ventilator. Now, uh, many of you will have heard about ventilators over the last few weeks uh, as coronavirus has become. Uh, a global pandemic the the issue of ventilators has become very important because it, a lot of the patients suffering from the virus uh, require it in order to survive well ventilators are generally pretty expensive um, in the tens of thousands of US dollars uh, sometimes are off, um, and 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 more so basically they're unavailable or minimally available and certainly not to the level that is likely to be needed or has been needed in various places and so dramatic shortage of of ventilators has led to um, people wondering or investigating whether we can improvise with other things of course the backup for a ventilator or the original ventilator if you will was uh, a handheld breathing bag basically someone would stand next to the patient and. Uh, squeeze a, a large bladder um, that forced air into the lungs and uh, you do that for as long as you need to until the patient can breathe on their own. Obviously not a long-term solution uh, and, and so these were me- mechanized and digitized and lead to the the modern ventilator which is quite a complicated machine. Um, we've heard of stories coming out of the US where people have been retooling other uh, companies, factories, to try and produce ventilators on a large scale, and it can be quite challenging. So, uh, of course, that is not really possible in, in Kenya and most of most parts of Africa. That sort of level of, of manufacturing is, is simply not available. And so, uh, the question is what can be used as a replacement? Well, the students at Kenyatta University created uh, a, a prototype and demonstrated that prototype on TV, well, for uh, some news crews and for the Ministry of Health, um, visited the, the facilities, and, and the, the, that's where the news story came out. I should also mention uh, that there have been some other attempts, well, a lot of other attempts to solve this problem, uh, particularly if you want some resources, they'll be in the show notes, but uh, I want to point out MIT's work on this. Uh, MIT has <clears throat> an entire project called e-vent, e-vent, uh, for emergency ventilator. And this was uh, a project that was actually, a, apparently, it's about a decade old. Uh, it never came to fruition, but uh, has been revitalized, obviously, in the, in the recent weeks, based on on the extreme need. Uh, but under that project, the goal was to have uh, a short-term or emergency ventilator available, using parts that are uh, essentially available anywhere and cost of a hundred dollars or so, uh, which is uh, roughly uh, ten thousand Kenyan shillings. And um, they put they made, they wanted this to be open source, uh, the plans to create such a device, and so. There are a couple of uh, news stories about that, and we'll have links to that. Um, as far as I understand, those ventilators or that those plans have not been approved by uh, government regulators in the United States, but they are uh, revisiting that and hoping to, to, to do that quickly. Well, back to Kenya, uh, this group of students created a ventilator which they say uh, can be developed, created, manufactured uh, for a cost of 500,000 shillings, which is roughly 5,000 US dollars, and entirely from uh, parts that are available within Kenya. Uh, They demonstrated it and have said that it is working, and that, at least on the news reports, uh, doctors that were in the the room for the demonstration agreed and said, yes, this is something we would use, we can use, uh, would be useful. Which is great. Uh, you know we certainly hope that it works out but uh, I received uh, an email asking about um, about that project and about those ventilators and particularly the question first goes to liability uh, which lawyers love to talk about so uh, I was quite keen on this the question is uh, if they use this ventilator and God forbid the patient dies um, who's liable is the manufacturer liable uh, is the university liable are the inventors liable, uh, maybe the ministry even. Yeah, who, who, who could be sued for um, the use of this ventilator, should it fail or should it even, you know, seem to work as intended but just not be sufficient to save a patient? Uh, quick answer to that is, um, depends on the circumstances, of course, the answer to all questions put to lawyers is it depends. But uh, but more specifically, uh, in Kenya at least, we have um, the Pharmacy and Poisons Board, which acts as the regulator and uh, the entity which is uh, uh, tasked with uh, approving medical devices as well as pharmaceuticals, but but also medical devices. So the Pharmacy and Poisons Board has set put out uh, some guidelines for uh, uh, for getting approval of medical devices there is a procedure and that procedure should be followed before any hospital or doctor or medical professional would be using um, one of these ventilators on an actual patient rather than just in uh, an experiment the procedure takes approximately 90 days or less um, and um, you know it goes basically the people at the pharmacy and poison poisons and phar- uh, pharmacy and poisons board would need to review the device, make sure that it functions as intended and that it um, and that it uh, is uh, safe for use and um, you know all of the different uh, materials are safe uh, in this in the circumstances etc uh, etc. Cetera, et cetera. So there's an entire review process and I'm going to assume that the ventilator will go through that or is going through that and will receive or has received already uh, approval by that government entity. Now if it hasn't received that approval and hospitals use it, well certainly you can um, sue a hospital for using a device that's not approved. Uh, That's a pretty easy uh, answer and we'll kind of ignore that situation. But assuming that it has been approved, we can ask the question then what happens when there's a loss of life, using an approved device such as that. Essentially, uh, you have to look at the, situ- at the situation, of course, but um, if there is a flaw in the device uh, that was not identified at any point in the testing and was not identified by the, the government regulator, uh, but um, but led to the, the patient's death, um, you know that it's uh, it's unlikely that at least the first time that happens, uh, you would be able to, to sue the manufacturer or the the uh, you know any of the other par- uh, parties involved. They were using a device that uh, that they that was approved and they felt was the correct device to use. So uh, it would a, a lawsuit would be un, unlikely to succeed in those in that situation. However, if it's known that the devices are failing and a hospital still uses one, uh, that would be a different story, and obviously um, they might have an issue with that, or there might be a a lawsuit involved there. One final thought on the issue of liability is that a lot of this um, is unanswerable until we've got quite a lot of data, actually. And by data, I mean, you know, the device has been used for several days, the um, number of people who have been who have uh, been use, put on the machine is great enough that we can see some sort of trend. Uh, a manufacturing defect might be kind of difficult to identify for a single individual patient, but when it comes to large scale use, hundreds, tens, or hundreds, maybe even thousands of patients, uh, if it ever comes to that, you might be much more likely to see trends, oh, it wasn't manufactured uh, sufficiently to handle all of these different situations, and there are, you know, trends and patterns in in the outcomes. So, uh, a single individual, difficult case to file, uh, not impossible, but um, over time, those cases might be uh, quite different, might play out quite differently. Alright, turning now to the second question that was asked of me about the intellectual property around this uh, prototype. So, according to the news reports, uh, the students created this prototype, and as I understand it, they were not in school when they did so. Uh, the university was closed, as are all universities in, in Kenya right now, uh, so the students were on their own time, not doing this for a class project, and that creates kind of a tricky situation in terms of intellectual property and allow me to explain why. So the law in Kenya is quite clear when it comes to uh, employees. If you were an employee and you're hired to do a job and that includes inventing things, the employee owns your inventions. Pretty standard around the globe actually. So that's no different here. The tricky part here is that students are not employees. Uh, there's no evidence, uh, no law that I can point to that would properly classify a student as an employee, and uh, I think it would be hard to make the case that a student is an employee. So the law is, very, is completely quiet when it comes to student inventions uh, and does not discuss universities specifically. So how would a student invention be dealt with? Um, Pretty much you have to go to the university's policy, and that would be a, a, you know, possibly an intellectual property policy. Uh, It could be general student handbook or university um, statutes or that sort of thing. It is not something I know of specifically for Kenyatta University. Uh and I uh, also I'll just talk generally. Uh, if the university has a policy that all student output is is property of the university, then you know, this would still call, fall into that category and the university would indeed own it. Um, if the university has a policy that student output pertaining to uh, classroom work or projects that are, required for graduation uh, that's uh, that output is owned by the university i I don't think this would fall in that category and and therefore probably would be owned by the students if the university which is possible if the university doesn't have any policy about student output uh it is then sort of a unknown here and i would say that um, most likely the the students own uh, as the inventor, it has not been transferred um, under law or by contract. The students would retain ownership. Now, the tricky part is that they, <laughs> the further tricky part, that is, is that um, they probably used university facilities to develop this. In which case, uh, we can look at the contract, uh, the law as it relates to employees, which says if you're using employer facilities, uh, it's more of, the case that you were invent your output belongs to the faci- to the employer. Well, here, probably that, well, that might be true as well. Um, if the students were using university facilities when they invented this, it's probable that the university would have at least a claim to ownership, a valid claim to, or a plausible claim to ownership, or some sort of, if not direct ownership, then remuneration, some sort of... Um, Profit sharing or something, you know, a, a judge might find, uh, in, in fairness, to that the university should be able to join in the profits of some of some, at some level, but uh, ownership um, probably rests with the students, uh, even in that situation. Now, of course, the students, regardless of who owns it, the property needs to be registered, uh, and that is uh, through. Patents or trademark, or oh, sorry, t- patents or uh, utility models, that would be done at uh, the patent and trademark office here, uh, known as Kipi, and you know the university might help them out with that. Uh, we know that um, that they are interested in doing this because of the news reports. The Law Society of Kenya implored them or said that they would support the students in in acquiring intellectual property for the device and so um, most likely the university uh, would want to be involved in that. Uh, Most universities in Kenya have a tech transfer office or some individual in charge of that and Kenyatta University uh, is one of those indeed. So they would help out the students if um, the university felt it was uh, something that they wanted to do. Um, If not then it would be up to the students and the university would have less of an ownership claim, um, having not helped the the students acquire the intellectual property. As for patents versus trade, uh, sorry, utility models, mm, hard to say without knowing the details of the device. Certainly, utility model would be appropriate um, to try for, and uh, perhaps a patent too, depending on what it was that they had to do to create the, 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 the prototype. So, Something we'll, we'll watch for closely over the coming weeks and months. And um, if we hear anything or see anything of relevance to the podcast, we'll definitely update you in future. All right, that's the show for today. Uh, we will be back in your feed in hopefully a regular, more regular basis, uh, every week or every other week, if we can. And uh, some of the shows, upcoming shows will be related to the pandemic and others will not. But uh, hopefully all will be interesting and uh, troll related. So for now, thanks a lot for listening. Looking forward to talking to you again.